What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show on whatever platform you're listening to us through. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we got a jam-packed show for you all. I'll recap my trip to Dodger Stadium for my first sporting event post-COVID-19. Then Tyler and I will discuss the latest from the NBA playoffs and some updates to both the Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers situations. All this and more on episode 197 of the Sports Kingdom Show coming up right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 197 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always... Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, baby. We're, it's about to be summertime. We're getting in deep into playoff runs. Yes. Um, there's a lot going on right now. It's good yes. Stuff. Yes. We are we are in the thick of the NBA playoffs. But before we dive deep into all of that, Tyler, I got to tell you about my experience at Dodger Stadium. Man. Yeah, it must have been uh, kind of surreal to be back in real life it, in a magnitude like that. You know? It really was, man. And so I went to the game on Sunday, May 30th. It's it's now Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday, June 2nd uh, at 7.31 p.m. So just to give you guys a real time stamp for, for anybody listening, if, if it's not Wednesday night immediately after this is posted – if on Thursday, Friday, or later on in the weekend, who who knows? But anyway, I went to the Dodger game on this past Sunday with none other than our amazing sponsor and great friend of the show, Jacob Diamond, his brother Rafi, and their father. I told them this already, but I will say it again to the public. I appreciate this invite to the game more than, like, more than you guys can imagine. It felt so good to be back into real life at a ball game on a Sunday. It was Tyler, the weather for this no game. No mask. We were in the fully vaccinated section. We didn't have to wear our mask at our seat. All we had to do was wear our mask when we were in common areas, like in getting in line for food and beer or like going to the bathroom. That was how it. many times did mask off by future play? None, unfortunately. They blew it. Well, I mean, Dieter Rule, the, the organist at Dodger Stadium, is the GOAT, but I, I'm not sure if if Mask Off is in his Rolodex quite yet. Oh, well, fuck, man. You got <laughs> to read the room, baby. 
But I mean, this this game, Tyler, the Dodgers were playing the Giants, so it was a rivalry game. We were in the fully vaccinated section, which was in the right field pavilion. It's it's I believe one of three fully vaccinated sections at Dodger Stadium currently. There was about twenty thousand fans, Tyler. It was insane. It it was it was so cool. But we were sitting literally right next to the Giants bullpen and Jacob our amazing sponsor his brother Rafi is a giant Giants fan like he's a huge Giants fan he <laughs> he was too scared to wear any Giants paraphernalia on his body no apparel no hats no nothing he just he just went in neutral colors to Dodger Stadium but we were sitting next to the Giants bullpen and before the game started while one of the pitchers was warming up I looked down to the bullpen coach and was like hey coach it's uh it's my buddy's birthday and realistically this was a belated birthday present from Rafi's parents to him for his birthday so we really were going for his birthday even though it was a couple of months ago but I told the bullpen coach I was like hey it's my buddy's birthday. He's a big Giants fan. Can he get a ball? And the coach looks up. He was like, he's a huge Giants fan. Where's his, like, hat, jersey? Like, he's not wearing anything? And I was like, listen, coach, he he was a little afraid. Like, let's be real here. We're at Dodger Stadium. He was a little, a little afraid. And the coach just starts laughing. And he was like, no, I get it. I get it. And so a little bit of time goes by. And me and Jacob went to go get beers. And we come back and... Rafi has a ball. So the coach, I guess, while we went to go get beers, must have tossed Rafi the ball. So I ended up getting Rafi a ball for his birthday from the Giants bullpen. So yeah, that's sick. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. He was loving it. Um I got to wear my my gold Kershaw jersey for the first time. So that was awesome because it's my first Kershaw jersey and with the gold outlining because of their World Series champs this year or defending World Series champs that that was cool. Kershaw got to pitch, but he ended up getting rocked early. Uh, he gave up five earned runs in six innings. The Dodgers lost five to four. So Rafi was very happy. But in the eighth inning, Max Muncy hit his 100th career home run for uh, for himself, and he brought the Dodgers within three runs in the eighth inning to make it five to two with his two-run home run. And then, Tyler, in the bottom of the ninth, Albert Pujols hit his 670th career home run, and that home run also uh, led him to pass Babe Ruth for fourth on the all-time extra base hits list. Uh, he hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth to make it 5-4, to four, but the Dodgers, they weren't able to, to squeeze it out in the bottom of the ninth. They ended up losing, but... Because we were so close to the Giants' bullpen, when their closer, McGee, came into the game in the ninth inning, as he was walking from the bullpen out onto the field, me and all the Dodger fans, we were giving him hell. And I was I was like, he's about to give up three-plus runs. Like, the, you guys are going to lose. I was, I was talking a whole bunch of shit. And when Pujols hit the home run in the bottom of the ninth to make it five to four, I was going nuts Tyler I was given the Giants bullpen so much hell and unfortunately it was to no avail but 
it was nonetheless a a great day at the ballpark minus the Giants losing and minus someone bumping into me and dropping my beers out of my hands and they just kept it moving Tyler they didn't even no, turn, they no. didn't even turn around apologize they just <laughs> kept it moving didn't even offer to pay for new beers he was looking down at his cell phone the whole time that's like 25 bucks minimum two beers Tyler the prices have gone up at Dodger Stadium because of covid <laughs> Oh, boy. you want to know I what the th- price? Of- I, th- I think a can, like the regular can, it's not like a tall boy, was like eleven bucks before. Tyler, two cans of Kona Big Wave, which is what what we were drinking, costed thirty eight dollars. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's like good stuff, you know. The guy was. God, literally like, looking at his ugh. phone not looking up paying attention or anything to his surroundings bumps into me luckily i didn't spill any beer on the jersey it just all fell on the ground unfortunately but none got on the jersey i did get a little barbecue sauce on the jersey but that came out in the wash don't worry uh but yeah man that the giants lost or the dodgers lost the giants won and someone dropped my beers and didn't offer to pay for them that's a tough that's that's a tough uh that's a tough run right there but but it, it was, was all worth it overall. it was all worth it tyler i would have done it all, i would have done it all again it, it felt so good to be back at the at the stadium man it, it was no great. that's what it's all about i mean we're we we've worked hard to get to this point we're not quite there yet but we're getting there yes. It, yes it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be nice it's gonna be enjoyable yes and just a, a quick update for those at home, the Dodgers, they are currently up on the St. Louis Cardinals in the bottom of the fourth, 11-2. to They had an 11-run first inning today, Tyler. In the bottom of the first, they scored 11 runs. It was uh, quite the spectacle uh, tonight at Dodger Stadium for those fans. Unfortunately, I, didn't, I wasn't as lucky. I, I did get to see some fireworks late, but... They, they didn't win the game. But anyway, the Dodgers, they're currently 32-23. and 23. They're two games out of first place, sitting in third place in the NL West. But the good news is, Tyler, they still have the sixth best record in baseball. So there's still some hope out there. And it's, it's a long season. We're not even at the All-Star break yet. You're always in it in baseball. <laughs> you, you're, you're always one month away. Yes. But all right, we got a a lot to talk about now with the NBA playoffs. And, and before we do that, I got to let you know that this episode of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by Jay Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539. Or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 020-68311. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished. 
I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. So we're already out of the first round in the Eastern Conference, Tyler. The Eastern Conference has already moved on to the semis. We got the Bucks facing the Nets and the Hawks facing the Sixers, but we will we will get to that in a minute as well as what's going on in the Western Conference because before we we talk about what's what's happening on the court, I think it I think it's time Tyler we had a bit of a conversation about what's happening in the stands because there has just been some absolutely egregious unwarranted unsolicited just bad human behavior i don't i don't i don't really know any other way to to put it in in one night last week tyler we had russell westbrook have popcorn dumped on him by a fan in uh, philadelphia and this this actually happened one week ago tonight tyler last week on wednesday this happened when we were interviewing coach scott fields on on episode 196 of the sports kingdom show this all happened in one night we had russell westbrook get popcorn dumped on him by a fan in philadelphia we had trey young get spit on by a fan a courtside fan at madison square garden and then three fans in utah and this wasn't even televised this came out after the fact that the utah jazz announced this but the utah jazz had to eject three fans for yelling a whole bunch of vulgarity at John Morant's family during the game. And then we saw, uh, I believe it was in Washington, D.C., either last night or the day before, a fan run onto the court in D.C., slap the backboard, and then get Goldberg speared by a security guard baseline. And just the fact that he was able to get onto the court and, and – be in that close vicinity to the players that that can't be happening and so I just I don't know if it's people being cooped up in their house for over a year and they just forget how to act when they're in public now I don't know if it's people thinking because they're paying a ticket or paying the price of admission that that just gives them carte blanche to do whatever they want once they get inside the arena I, I can't explain what's been happening with this completely, like I said, disgusting human behavior by these fans. Yeah, no, for sure. It's all like super unacceptable. And uh, like I th- the, the Malice in the Palace was such like an iconic memory for me in my basketball yeah. life. Um you know, it's one of those few moments where I, I just like, I remember you so vividly. And it's going to be interesting when one of these players reacts in a, in a similar way. I mean, we saw Russell because try and if, climb if, the stanchion if, to get to that fan. Well, and I was going to say, if this behavior continues, that's what's going to happen. Um, and, and they may be celebrated for it now, you know. And, and essentially those guys like Steven Jackson, Ben Wallace, Ron Artest, um, Jermaine O'Neal, you know, they were. That was that was a real big hit on their. No, it stained, their it stained the rest of their careers. 
Yeah, it was a huge hit on their image. It was a huge hit on their careers, their games that season. Um, they were they were punished severely. Um, Criminal charges. Was, yeah, and the residual effects were there as well. Not just oh, like I forgot. I forgot Tyler. I forgot the fan in Boston throwing the water bottle at Kyrie. So you know that, but that that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't look like this behavior is going to change and. To be honest with you, like if there's if there, uh, okay, part of it is being cooped up. I think people are a little crazy, but but that's not also, an excuse. Like, it's not it's not an excuse, but I think also like alcohol is where people like uh, yeah. I'm not. I don't know that all those people were drunk. You know, like it's a safe bet though. None of them could be, but I assume that they all were because. I don't think you go and you pay tickets to watch a basketball game and, and assume that you're going to do that. Now, running on the courts, obviously a pre-medded type of thing, but uh, treating basketball players like animals, you know what I mean? Like, essentially just throwing shit at them, spitting on them, like the things that they say verbally, you know, it's all unacceptable. And they're lucky, you know, it, it's unfortunate because these players can't react or they're like crucified publicly where this is just some fan that's going to get kicked out of games and go about their life. You know what I mean? They're not in front of a camera every day. This is not their job. Um, and I, I just think this, we're headed down a road where someone's going to react uh, as far as the player and it's not going to go well. Yeah, no. And I mean, listen, they're, they're charging like criminal charges against the guy who threw the bottle at Kyrie and I think and that's he should, and he should because for sure you don't he Kyrie has no you know what I mean like Kyrie can't react right like it's just uh it's if so Kyrie reacts up. his career is over and, and it's yeah and it's just like he can't react like most of the time, even if they wanted to, security would hold them back, you know? Exactly. Like, it's it's such a cowardly move. Right. The malice um, in the palace is such an anomaly because it was such an out-of-control situation and security lost control. The referees lost control. That wouldn't happen today because the malice in the palace happened. And the malice in the palace isn't uh, the first yeah, time uh, a, a player went into the stands. I mean, Vernon Maxwell punched a fan in the stands back in the day, too. No, I think, yeah, I think, like, back in the day, fans have been punched. But <laughs> yeah. as far as, like, our day, uh, where basketball yeah. is really, like, where the, you know, it got, it's away from the physical era, um, where this was purely, like, a fan interaction. This had nothing to do with, like, the physicality. It's like, yeah, I mean, the malice was crazy, but it's going to be interesting to see if, if it happens again, how will we view it? Will we... Will we applaud them? You know, because yeah. I'm not pissed if Russell gets away from security and catches that dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where where's Russell Westbrook's rights in this scenario when, you know, if you get spit on in the streets, you know, if you get shit thrown at you, that's you know, you're gonna get you're gonna there's gonna be something bad coming. Yeah, too. exactly. Well and and realistically it's also gonna be interesting to see not only what the next step is as far as how this type of incident gets viewed by the public, how does this type of incident get dealt with by the teams and the, the league yeah. and the and the legal system? The, someone they have to throw down the hammer. Have they have to, to they, they have to legally throw down the hammer to where 
the worst is not losing your season tickets. The worst is not being banned. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, no, and like the guy in banned, Boston's being, being charged with like and, assault. Being yeah, exactly being banned and missing games is not like that. That's obviously not a big good enough deterrent. Yeah, like you throw down the hammer on on a handful of these dudes, then I think that that will really help the situation. Like, hey, listen, we're not tolerating like fans treating our players with disrespect in verbally or physically. Yeah. So I mean it. it behavior by fans needs to change and i think the the level of an enforcement and the level of punishment needs to to change and be enhanced when it comes to alcohol is a big factor for sure it I is mean, with, with alcohol in stadiums it's always there's always an opportunity there's a reason there's they always... stop selling alcohol at a certain time at every sporting event and there there yeah there's always a chance if if alcohol is in the mix yeah unfortunately yeah but i mean it stuff like this just can't be happening Pl- plain and simple no you're, you're you're absolutely right so all right let's let's move on now and let's let's talk about what's actually happening on the court because like i was saying we we are now done with the first round of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, that became official tonight. Let's let's talk about the series that we knew was going to happen a couple of couple of days ago already, though. Tyler, the the Brooklyn Nets are going to be facing the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks they swept the Miami Heat in four games. Miami they were just never able to capture the same spark that they had last season. And Milwaukee is a, a much better team last year, and we talked about that last week with coach Scott Fields and they just dominated this series and swept the Miami heat in four games, the Brooklyn nets. They had a gentleman sweep of the Boston Celtics who were able to steal game three in Boston behind a historic 50 point game from Jason Tatum. That was completely unbelievable to watch. He was phenomenal in that game, but Brooklyn really showed why they are so dangerous against Boston in in the game three losses, I think there were definitely some things, though, that were exposed. But I'm very excited for this series between Milwaukee and Brooklyn, Tyler, because ultimately I think the winner of this series is who ends up coming out of the East. Yeah, uh, 100%. I'm with you on that. I think whoever wins um, is definitely going to win the East. This is going to be such an awesome series. I'm so excited for this one. I think it's going seven, man. Oh, that would be awesome. I mean, that would be prime, of course, for the NBA. <laughs> uh, but it's just such a, you know, going over like the matchups and the play style, it's just such a good clash of strengths because, yeah, um, you know, Drew Holiday, Middleton, Giannis are all very versatile defenders. And I mean that's that's the only way you're ever going to beat Brooklyn is to try to outscore them, and to outscore them you got to be able to chip away, you got to be able to play some of those superstars one on one. You know, to, yeah, you, you know what I mean. You can't double KD, Kyrie, and Harden, so um, it's going to be a really interesting matchup because Milwaukee's a much better offensive team this year. Uh, they all they have. They're a much better overall to, team, Tyler. 
yeah, well, they tightened up the they tightened up the rotation, um, and they got better on the uh, the perimeter. And Drew Holiday is who we thought he is. You know what I mean? He's he's a slept on superstar of the league. He was a big difference for them. Um, but ultimately, I just I think Giannis could possibly be the best player on the court. Uh, but I think uh, Brooklyn's KD's, gonna win. I I don't know, man. It, I mean, KD's a bad man, but you know how I feel about Giannis. For sure, for he's sure. Been on it. I think he's been on a projection to be the best player in the world. Um, and I don't think, I don't know if KD's got anything for Giannis on the other end either. Yeah. So, no, I mean, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's threes versus twos, which is never good. But when you're so dominant inside, like Giannis is. You know, you got a you got a chance. Those those uh, Milwaukee players are going to get open looks. So, yeah, and uh, I mean, but, but like I said, I think Brooklyn probably wins in six. Honestly, I I really don't see it going seven. Yeah, and but I, I'm I'm excited to watch because I know when you got a guy that's like Giannis, you always got a shot. Yeah, and I, I think I'm I'm with you on on Brooklyn winning the series. I I, I said already that I'm pretty sure this this series goes seven. And and while you were talking about the the matchups, I was just kind of playing through some different scenarios in my head, and it's the one that kept sticking to me, Tyler. Is if I'm the Bucks, realistically, I think Drew's obviously guarding Kyrie. You put Middleton on on Harden, and then it's Giannis on KD. Right? That's that's realistically the most logical thing. From a fan's perspective, that is the logical move. Um, but there, I think there's a chance that DiVincenzo guards either Kyrie or Harden. DiVincenzo's um, out, though. Or uh, who's the other guard they're starting? Is, um, are they starting Connaughton? Connaughton? Is that who it is? Connaughton? Oh, what's, one sec. I have, a, I have their rotation. Um, yeah, Connaughton. So... I think the Heat Connington has a uh, there's a possibility he guards um, he guards a uh, uh, a Harden or a Kyrie. Yeah, just so, I can see that. Just so just so they can put Middleton um, on KD. I think they're going to start Middleton on KD, okay. and then Giannis will kind of play Rover and try to watch Joe Harris. Yeah. I, I think ultimately that's that's like what they're gonna do, but I would love to see Giannis um, take KD. I I think that I just I, don't know if that's gonna happen because they need his offense. Yeah, but and they need a shot blocking. You know, I, I think you can play more of a more of a help role on KD. Harden, if Giannis is the defensive Kyrie. player of the year from last year that everybody says he is, he should be taking KD on. Yeah. I I'm I'm with you with that. Like as a basketball fan, that's what I want to see. Um, I just don't know if that's what they're gonna do. Yeah. As far as being, you know, someone that's watched this Bucks team quite a bit, I I just I think Middleton's gonna be on KD ultimately, yeah. and Giannis is gonna be on Joe Harris to play more of a rover. Who's your X but, factor for the series? Um, I would have. I, I mean, I think it's. Uh, it's got to be like Drew Holiday for the Bucks. You know, I think they really need his offense. Um, he, we know that he's going to be a capable guy, and you can't stop Kyrie or Harden. 
So uh, I think he's going to do as good of a job on them as anybody. And, but they really need his offense because in the past, Giannis has not won without support on the offensive end. Um, and as far as the Nets go, you know, it's going to be the their their role players, their bench. That's yeah. kind of like we I think know it's going to be Blake. Gonna, I think it's got to be Blake Griffin. It does, it, but it doesn't really have to be Blake Griffin. I think it will be Blake Griffin because. He's just not going to be defended. I mean, he's gonna he's he's gonna have. There's been be no like, reason to so far. He's gonna, but when you're wide open under the basket, it's gonna be easy. You know, he's gonna get garbage points, and if he's in the pick and roll, he could get shots at the rim. He's never gonna take a ton of shots. He's not gonna ask for plays to be ran for him. Um, I don't think he he uh, he hurts them. I think he helps them because. He's a capable finisher around the rim. And that's really all they need him to do. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, this this series, it's – this, I think, is one of the main matchups I think most NBA fans were praying for in this playoffs is the Bucks versus the Nets. I think everybody was just hoping it was going to be one round later than it's actually happening. Yeah, definitely. We would, you know, you always wanted to line up perfectly, but this really was, you know, Philadelphia is right with these two guys, but um, this is as good as it gets, you know. Definitely, this is this is what NBA playoffs is all about. Yeah, but so we're we're both on Brooklyn winning this series. Yeah, I got Brooklyn in six. All right, and I'm I'm gonna go Brooklyn in seven. So all right, before we move on to the Hawks and the 76ers, Tyler. We do have to talk about something that happened with the Boston Celtics today since they did fall to the Brooklyn Nets yesterday. News came out early this morning that Danny Ainge was going to be stepping down from his role in the front office and I believe it was I believe the title was just president of basketball operations or if not vice president of basketball operations. I never know which one it is, but he he was in charge of all of the basketball decisions, one level below ownership for the Celtics. And so he is now retiring. Brad Stevens, the head coach, or now former head coach of the Boston Celtics, will be taking over Danny Ainge's role in the front office, and, and the Celtics are now going to be looking for a new head coach. But I just want to point out some poetic poetic justice Tyler the Celtics lost to the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs this year Danny Ainge traded Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and I don't I don't remember the exact details of it all but the main package was Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to the Brooklyn Nets for a multitude of future draft picks and with those future draft picks, the Celtics still have yet to do a whole lot of nothing with that. And the Brooklyn Nets have been able to rebuild quicker and then have now beaten the Celtics in the playoffs this year. And Brooklyn realistically is is the Eastern Conference favorite to, to go to the NBA Finals this year. So I just wanted to point out that that poetic justice real quick. Uh, I think that's a stretch. <laughs> I think that's a stretch. It's not, Tyler. It's the truth. 
he's drafted extreme he's drafted a couple all-stars first right. of all those picks have not uh, like turned into nothing he's got a good young core has it resulted that, in championships that, that that team has been that team has been riddled with injuries you yes. we have yet like Kyrie yes. got hurt Gordon Hayward got hurt Kemba got hurt uh, uh Jalen Brown got hurt so you know, it's hard for me to say that they've done a bad job. I mean, we saw Rogier Almost Ainge, Tyler. Almost Ainge. That is what and he again, will be forever we've, known we've as. We've talked about this multiple times, but I still stand by the fact that, like, Boston is always in the mix. It's not a bad thing to not make a trade. Okay? that You're, you're not gaining anything, but you're not losing anything either. And where you lose things is when you make a bad trade. And I don't think they've necessarily made any bad trades. It's a it's a tough game, but they've drafted, you know, they've drafted really well, and they still have a lot of assets, and they're essentially a center away from being a, an NBA Finals contender. J, uh, Jason Tatum is a certified number one player for a championship team. I think he is more than good enough to lead a team to a championship if he has the appropriate supporting cast. Yeah. Um, Jalen Brown's an all-star. Marcus Smart's really good. And I think that they do have a handful of, like, nice young players that are going to be role players. They're not necessarily stars. But I think it's a stretch to be that critical on on Ainge because uh, as far as, like, basketball goes with, with his moves. Uh, because he always puts a, a quality product out there even if they face adversity. Was he putting um, quality products out there before he got the big three? I mean, I, I don't know exactly what year he took over in Boston. It was like he, 03, I think. So, like, right after the Antoine Walker days. Yes. So, so essentially, Danny Ainge got a good basketball team, a playoff team that I watched a lot as a kid, with Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce. He blew it up. Walker's gone. Everybody else is gone but Paul Pierce. And then in three, four years, he he hangs a banner. Because Kevin McHale gifted him Kevin Garnett as a as a gift from a former teammate. Well we we can't we can't I mean I can't say that for a fact. I don't know what happened. All I know is they got Kevin <laughs> Garnett and everybody else has a fair it's everybody else is playing by the same rules. It, it may it may feel unfair, but that's just, I mean, that's kind of how life is. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a business. You, you, um, it may not, it may not taste good, but it's legit, man. I, I, I think that he did a, he did a good job, uh, as far as putting quality product out there since he's been there and they are always in the mix when it comes to trades. Uh, some people, can they're always in the mix, a, but they never get it done. And if they would have traded for Anthony Davis, they'd probably have an NBA championship last year. But nope, they didn't, and the Lakers do. So, but you also could be, you know, uh, you could be like an Indiana, a Minnesota, uh, a Denver, a Utah, where it's really tough. Like you don't even have a chance. Boston's in the mix every single time a star is available. I don't think that that you can say that's a bad thing. No, just because I, they haven't I pulled the that. trigger, we don't know what would have happened if they pulled any of those triggers. It could be way worse than it is now. 
We'll never know because, like I said, Tyler, he was almost Ainge. Uh, you know, we got th- uh, okay. You got to think that the Kyrie was basically a robbery. You know, from well, Cleveland. Well, yeah, but what did he get in return for him? But that's but that's what I'm saying. This team has been plagued with injuries, but he has made the moves as a GM. You cannot, you know, there's only so much you can do as far as uh, competing when it comes to injuries. I yeah, I mean, I I, I no agree excuses, with you there. No excuses as far as like winning championships, but as far as like being a playoff team every single year. Yeah, they were competitive, um, you know, but ne- the whole point is to win never, championships, and the Celtics that, have won one championship in the last 36 years. But typically, you need your full product to win a championship. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could be different if if injuries – it's not an excuse for championships, but it's an excuse for the years they don't make as deeper runs as they could at missing stars, just like every other team. Well, what about – Just like the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lakers have had years – where, where, you know, that, that first year for LeBron, it, it's just, it happens sometimes. Um, you try to put quality product out there, and you may have it. But if you get injured, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Getting, getting Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas was a good move. Yeah, it was a great move, but they also got nothing in return for Kyrie because he walked. Yeah, and, and that was, that was uh, it, it sucked that like, Kyrie went so bad. But as a GM, you're going to always make that move. Why, Tyler? You, what? If you're a GM, you're why not would you let a player Kyler, walk when I, you could have got something in return for them? It was no, the I'm same mistake Isaiah. the Lakers made with Pau Gasol. I'm talking about Isaiah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Kyrie. Gonna make, you're always going to make the trade for Kyrie. I know it happened right, to be like. But look at how bad, bad. Look at how bad the reputation that gave the Celtics for how they handled it. No. Yeah. And that, that is where you can maybe knock him, but it's like, he's always putting quality product. I guess that's my main point. That's where I think you're stretching it. I think he, <laughs> uh, I don't think that he did a bad job by any means. And they were never a trash franchise. They're always in the mix. All right. Real quick. Last thing. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording. What do you think of Brad Stevens? Like the reports of, Basically, Brad Stevens saying he was burnt out from the bubble from coaching, and that's why he was moving into the front office. It seems kind of weird um, because it's like, man, if that's like honestly true, uh, it's just like a weird, weird thing to admit. You know, typically, if that were true, people don't say it. They would say, "Dude, the quote after the bullshit, net series, you know the quote I mean? after the net series makes so much more sense now." He probably knew he was moving into the front office. He could care less. Yeah, so I yeah, I think that you know he probably was being groomed to be a GM someday. Um, now that you look in retrospect, uh, or maybe just this year, or maybe just this last couple of weeks, but regardless, he's gonna be a good GM. I know a lot of people are trashing uh, the move right now, uh, he's got no experience, yada yada, but um, I don't think that really matters in today's games. We've seen. Elton Brand and James Jones had success right away. They had no, you know, they had no experience. So yeah, no, it's it's gonna uh, be it's gonna be interesting to see this this new era uh, and what, of, what, of the Celtics. What's really cool is that he knows this group better than anyone. So that's a good point. I think I think that whoever he signs in free agency, he uh, 
he hires as head coach, he hires as assistant coaches, he drafts, he knows. Yeah. Um, from a from a like a legitimate um, even X's and O's standpoint. So for the first couple years with the Tatum Brown smart, you know, Kemba, that kind of core, uh, I think it's gonna work out really well for Bo- for Boston and for Brad Stevens. It's just it is weird to hear like fatigue from the bubble, although it's understandable, it's just weird to hear somebody admit it. Yeah. No, and I mean listen, as much as as much joking and, and trash talking and poking fun I can I can make it at the Celtics expense at the end of the day if like you said Tyler they can keep that core the Celtics futures in very good hands on the court like they have a lot of talent surrounding them so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Boston now that somebody else is in charge of basketball decisions yeah, yeah, I mean, I personally think they're a big guy away from being real dangerous. Definitely. So, all right, let's close out the Eastern Conference with the the only other series left in the East. We got the Hawks facing the 76ers. The Hawks, they just beat the Knicks in five games. Coming into tonight, uh, tonight's game five, Tyler, Julius Randle was shooting 27% from the field and 33% from three. He was basically a non-factor in in the series, and and ultimately, overall for the Knicks, I think Tom Thibodeau did one of the worst jobs in terms of making adjustments game to game in the series in the playoffs so far overall league wide. I think I think Tibbs did one of the worst jobs making adjustments in this in in his series, and then on the other side, Trey Young was averaging twenty seven points and ten assists. For the series coming into tonight's game five, he had 36 in a 103-89 victory in Madison Square Garden. And realistically, I think plain and simple, Nate McMillan outcoached Tibbs this series. And so now the Hawks, they take on the 76ers, who closed out the Wizards in five games as well earlier tonight. I think DC got lucky to even win one game, especially after Russell Westbrook hurt his ankle in game three, but he was able to play in game four, which the the Wizards did win and had 19, 21, and 14 in 42 minutes. Obviously, great for the Wizards to to sneak out one win, but I think we all knew the 76ers were going to dominate that series. Now the bad news for Philadelphia is that Joel Embiid has a small tear in his meniscus, which he did not play in game five. It's really unclear what the future holds for Embiid during this postseason. He's listed as day-to-day. Uh, they're going to monitor him with treatment and rehab and all of that, and we'll we'll see what kind of impact he can make in this series with the Hawks, if he even plays at all. Uh, the Sixers, they won tonight uh, against the Wizards 129-112. to In Embiid's absence, Ben Simmons had a triple-double, Tobias Harris had 28 points, and Seth Curry had a phenomenal game with 30 points. What are you expecting from this Hawks 76ers, Tyler, with the absence of Joel Embiid? Because I really think the Hawks now have a chance to steal this series and make an appearance in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I'm 
I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely on the Hawks winning this series. Oh, you, so you, th- I okay. Yeah, I think, I think, I think meniscus tear and bead. That's a bad combo of words. That's not what I. That's not no. what I'm trying to hear. No, and, and, we were talking and, before uh, we started recording, and when I was trying to explain to Tyler, I was like, "No, he's got like a small tear in his meniscus." Tyler was like, "Wait a second, that changes everything." It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Small, big, total tear, little tear. It's Embiid. It's a tear. It's his knee. It's bad. It's bad news <laughs> for the Sixers. He's not 100, percent and uh, their other superstar doesn't really score and then tobias harris is a solid guy but that guy i don't think i don't think tobias harris and ben simmons offense is going to carry them past the hawks hawks have way too much firepower i think like top to bottom they're a better team as far as their depth right now especially with him beat out um, and it looks you know it looks like trey yeah like i've i love trey yeah dude I love he this hawks team whew. They but got an I edge think to that this is going to be that, you know, like like Devin Booker. I think Trey Young's going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, showing the world what he can do, um, and he's going to take that step from star to superstardom, like perennial All Star, you know, big time national. Yeah, he's going to make that level. jump. Yeah, but, and- you know, he's already a star, uh, but he's got he's got a great. He got a great opportunity to beat the Sixers right now without Embiid to get himself into the finals when he really shouldn't be. So this uh, this team is going to uh, benefit from this experience, I think, a lot. And I just think that they're po- poised to to beat the Sixers team. Uh, I, I, you know, Lou Will, Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Uterus, Young, um, you know, these are really good offensive basketball players. They got a lot of they got a lot of talent, a lot of ways to score the ball, a lot of versatile defenders. Um, ben Simmons is is averaging fourteen points in this playoffs. Uh, I think I think the Hawks win, and, and and if Embiid's is if Embiid misses more than like one game, uh, they're probably going to win in five or six. Yeah, I was I was going to say I think after everything you just said because I I completely agree with everything you just said. I think that. Ultimately, I think the Hawks end up winning this series, and I, I think they end up winning this series in six. And so, my like my biggest concern with Philadelphia is Ben Simmons's offense. Like, if Joel Embiid is out, Ben Simmons is supposed to be the guy that carries the load. He's your next best player, realistically. Like, he's supposed yeah. to to take on that challenge when Embiid goes down. That's his team kind of thing but the problem is Tyler he doesn't have a jump shot he doesn't have any sort of offensive repertoire to where he can take over a game scoring he's he's limited offensively which makes him limited takeover wise and it's like a difference between like if Embiid was playing at like 100% or like what he'd been playing all year uh, I would pick the Sixers in five yeah, Maybe the Sixers in the sweep, but without it being, they have no chance of winning. That's how important he is to that team. That, I mean, that's a lot of the reason why a lot of people would say he was the MVP of this season overall. One hundred. I mean, he's definitely a, uh, you know a top three candidate because it just shows how 
first of all, he's just so dominant. Nobody's had anything for him all year. Um, and second of all, how bad, you know, this, this Sixers team needs him. Like, they're going to go from the one seed to losing to the Hawks. Yeah. So, all right, we got we got Brooklyn and Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals then, Tyler. I, th- I think Nate McMillan, when Nate McMillan got this job, the Hawks, I think, were in 11th place in the East. Yeah, oh, I mean, he completely turned this team around. Shout out, Mr. Supersonic. <laughs> hey, and I'm, I'm excited to see the, the coaching matchup between Nate McMillan and Doc Rivers. It's, it's going to be a fun series, man. I've seen those guys play against each other. <laughs> so it, it's it's going to be cool for sure to watch these guys coach against each other. Yes. So, all right, let's 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 head west now. Uh, we got two Western Conference games going on right now. We got Utah up 31 over Memphis in game five. Utah leads uh, the series three to one. There's about five minutes left in the third. And then here in Los Angeles, the Clippers and Mavericks are playing in game five. That series is tied two to two. The Mavericks are losing 49 to 51 uh, with about two and a half minutes to go in the first half. Um, So realistically, Tyler, the Jazz are going to the Jazz are going to advance to the second round and they are going to have to face the winner of the Clippers and Mavericks series. Uh, like I said, that series is tied two games apiece. The Clippers, they were able to win. Well, first let's talk about the Jazz before we talk about who who we think their opponents are going to be. First off, we said it last week, kudos to Memphis. This experience in the playoffs for John Morant and that young core is going to do wonders for them. There's a lot of exciting things to come for that team. They just ran into the best team in the NBA this year, and that was the Utah Jazz in the first round. So it, it was kind of just bad luck of the draw for them, and they, they were lucky to make it out of the playing tournament, but it's it's going to be a benefit overall to them. The Jazz, Tyler, what, what are your thoughts on them as the number one overall seed? Did they answer that like proverbial question of, like, are they for real now? Or like, can can we trust them in a playoff series now, or or do we not think Memphis was that great of a litmus test for them? No, nah, that no, nah, it was well, no, it wasn't. Uh, we we they're definitely good enough to say make it to the Western Conference Finals, but I still still just think you know after Donovan Mitchell, it drops off quite a bit as far as offensive production. Yeah, you got some, you know, you got some energy from Clarkston. Ingles can shoot. Bogdanovich uh, can shoot. Bogdanovich is probably their second best scorer. Like as a true like get, get I'd even say guy. maybe it's Jordan Clarkson, dude. No, Clarkson could could definitely be, you know, that it is. It it would be probably up to Clarkson or Bogdanovich. But I would say Bogdanovich is probably their second guy as far as like, look, give me a bucket, give me a good shot. Um, but ultimately I just don't think this team has enough firepower to get past the Clippers or Dallas. Yeah. I mean, I think that Luca would just Luca is hurt. Yeah, that's that's know? the biggest so, thing with Luca. We'll talk about that later. So I guess I should keep Dallas out of it for now. But I just don't see Utah getting past the second round. Even though they've had such a great regular season, uh they're a great team. They they're deep. 
Um, I just, I, I, I don't know if they, they got enough juice to get it over. I their think... second best player, their second or second best or best player is a defensive guy. Yeah. And I, well, here's the thing with, with Utah for me is I definitely agree. I don't think that they, I don't think they could get past the Clippers. That for sure. I know Dallas. I think they have a, a, a better chance and, and realistically we can just move on to the, the Clippers in Dallas, but the jazz, I think have a better chance against Dallas to move to the Western conference finals than they would against the Clippers. And that kind of goes into to what happened in this series, Tyler, with the Clippers and, and the Mavericks, the Clippers, they were able to win both games in Dallas and, and answer the bell to tie the series at two games apiece after most of the world had counted them out after falling to an 0-2 deficit, losing both games here in L.A. to start the series. And, I mean, I got to give t- I got to give the Clippers a lot of credit because not easy. No, not easy at all. And I said Tom Thibodeau did one of the worst jobs adjusting as a coach in the playoffs so far. Ty Lue has done one of the best jobs, and he has been incredible at making adjustments for the Clippers, making changes to the starting lineup to to combat the big lineups that Dallas was trying to put out there. And he was doing the opposite. Ty Lue was combating it with small lineups. And in Dallas, the Clippers, they were able to completely neutralize Porzingis in both games in Dallas. And then, obviously, Luka, he's now dealing with the neck injury and He's done everything he can for the Mavs. But Kawhi Leonard Tyler in games three and four, he shot a combined 75% from the field and 62.5% from three. I, I, God. Yeah. No, it's fucking crazy. I can't believe it. Like, I mean, I, I counted them out. I thought they were done. Everyone how counted I, them out, Tyler. How, how I felt about the Clippers after that game two loss is how I feel about the Lake Show right now. <laughs> Like we'll get to the Lakers in a minute, Tyler, but that's like, that's literally how I feel. I think that they completely flipped the series on their head and then Luca is hurt. I I think he is actually hurt. Yeah. Uh, With even, even with a healthy Luca, they probably weren't going to win this series now. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think the Clippers end up winning this series, especially if Luca isn't a hundred percent They're, I mean, it's yeah. The Mavericks are up two at halftime now. But, I think it's time to be more realistic with Porzingis's uh, productivity. Um, he just is not not that guy. He's dude, not, I'm looking at the box score nowhere. right now. He's nowhere to be found. I, I mean, I'm looking at the box score right now. He's only played 10 minutes in the game. I don't know if he got hurt or what, but he only has two points, one of four shooting, three rebounds. It's just between injury and just hoping for him to put it all together. It just hasn't just happened. Like, yeah, maybe you get one good game a month. It's just not – he is not um, – he's not the dude. I think there's much more reliable pieces on that Dallas team than Porzingis now. Uh, and so, you know, without Luke, with Luka being hurt, Porzingis now to me is a, maybe even like a third or fourth-rate player now. Yeah. He's definitely not a uh, – he's definitely not a top-two-tier guy anymore. He's got 27 first-half points, 10 of 19 in the, in the first half. So he's he's literally doing everything he can for for Dallas. 27 points, three rebounds, eight assists in tonight? the first half. Yes, tonight. 
See, I'm counting them out tonight. <laughs> well, I'm okay. counting them out tonight. And that's that's amazing. That's see, that's like that's what everybody always waits on. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, you just never see it. Wait, you're talking about Luca? Yes, I'm talking about Luca. Oh, I was. Oh, I thought you were talking about Porzingis. No, I no, I said Porzingis only has two points and played ten minutes. Yeah, I heard the ten minutes part. I thought, oh shit, he has twenty-seven in ten minutes. <laughs> no, no, no. Luca has twenty-seven in twenty minutes. No, Luca's gonna do everything he can, and even Luca at sixty percent is gonna do a lot of damage. But um, I think the Clippers win this series and ultimately beat Utah. And you know, yeah, I mean, how, I mean, I, I I picked the Clippers and the Lakers to be in the Western Conference Finals um, when that their playoffs rolled out um it's still after alive. the game after the game two loss i thought the clippers were done so yeah now i'm back to to believe in that it's probably going to be the clippers with Kawhi playing out of his mind um and and we'll we'll see who the other team who, who the other team they play is yeah it's it's going to be interesting and so i mean listen the the jazz they're awaiting the winner of of the clippers in dallas and we'll see if Dallas can hold on and steal game five here in LA to go up three, two and have a potential, well, a potential elimination game in, in Dallas, uh, either, uh, on Friday or Saturday. I don't know. I don't know what day the game is, but all right. The next series we got is the Denver and Portland series, Tyler. And this series has really lived up to the hype. We were given it before it started. I mean, <laughs> fuck, dude. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like, he is that dude. Like, well, it is so, hold on. It's so hard to watch. It's so it's so <laughs> difficult to watch Dan walk off the court without a dub. Oh, so it, yeah, it the really nuggets. is. But it's like I picked Portland because I thought Dan could get by Jokic by himself without Jamal Murray. Well, if his teammates um, are making dumb plays like they did in. The second overtime last night, he, it's it's hard to win games. He just, it's just, he's got zero support. I mean, McCollum, McCollum is a is a great player. I do not want to like disrespect McCollum or Carmelo, but it's just like that. You know, you didn't hit the shots exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that Dame needed you to hit in this game. Um, you can redeem yourself. You know, if CJ comes out and has a forty point game or Mello hits some clutch shots down the stretch. Like Portland could easily still win this series. Uh, but God, Dame Lillard, man, some of the best basketball I've ever seen. Yeah. I just, I, I, last year, I said there was a point where I thought he was the best player in the world. He's definitely was top just like, five right now. It was, it was literally like he's number one. <laughs> like there is not a human being on this planet that is better at basketball than Dame Lillard. He is. And, and that's not necessarily – I don't necessarily believe that, but he's at that point again right now in my mind where it is just incredible what he can do to anybody. And and his ability to score down the stretch at important times is un, unmatched, uncanny. It's, I, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, l- let me just say this, Tyler. So – Chicken, chicken nuggets, fucking golden nugget, <laughs> Denver nuggets. <laughs> Anybody can get it, dude. So, I mean, obviously we're like 
I'm just so amazed with what Dame Lillard did last night, and it's so unfortunate that the, the Blazers lost. Damian Lillard had 55 points. No other starter had more than 19, but Dame Lillard had 55 points, Tyler, on 17 of 24 shooting, 12 of 17 from three, one three to send the game to overtime, and another to send the game to the second mm. overtime. Yes, and if just in case you didn't see this insanity, uh, David Lillard had like 34 <laughs> points. He had 34 points, I think, with three minutes to go. Okay, and Unbelievable. so he, he ends with 55 <laughs> and, and 21 points. And uh, he, he, you know, he gets the shot to go to the overtime, but in double overtime, <laughs> this guy got down 11 and they were down 11 with the two and a half, like two and a half, three minutes to go. And he scored the team's last 12 on four three pointers yeah. to tie the fucker up yeah. again. And I mean, they ended up losing 147 to 140. The, the Nuggets, they're now up three to two. But I really, Tyler, I want to just go back to Dame because, I mean, this game was obviously a historic playoff game. Like, it's, it's going to go down as an all-timer, I think. In terms of NBA playoff games, even in the loss, I mean, Jordan lost the sixty-three, or the sixty-three point game to the Celtics, and I didn't even know that was a thing until the last dance. I didn't know he lost that game, but so, like I said, this game will go down in history for Dame. But I want to know what you thought of Denver's decision to not foul when they were up three because they had the chance to do it twice and they didn't do it both times. What, uh, you know, that's just not, I just don't, it's risky. It's so risky. I mean, it's so risky. Mike Malone is so lucky that they Not to foul? Yeah, to not foul. No, see, no. I think that it's it's much riskier to try and foul because how aware these guys are of that coming, if they they get a, a shooting motion up when you're trying to foul and they get three free throws, those percentages of those three free throws going in has got to be higher than shooting a three pointer. If now where the now where the really like gut check coaching, you know, this is where greatness is made is that they have Damian Lillard. So it's like yeah, fuck. Like Damian is it, he really shoots like 80% in these scenarios. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like this is a normal three point percentage when the game's on the line, the dude gets it done but if you go for that three and he gets that shooting motion up he's only three free throws away from tying it i think that the shot that he ended up making is still more difficult than that yeah i don't know it's 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 a very i mean there's coaches go either way on it it's it's really 50 50 it's really just depends on what your philosophy is Lillard misses that shot. No one thinks second of it because it was a difficult shot. Yeah. And it was the right call. You know what I mean? It just so happened. Dame is a special guy. And he, and he fucking buried it. <laughs> He's unbelievable, man. And the the worst part was is, and I mean, we've I've, I mentioned it on the show already previously during these playoffs. It's It's such bullshit that the NBA is scheduling these games going up against each other. And like going, like starting like half an hour after each other. Like they need to, they need to figure that out and not ever let that happen again. Like tonight, literally, the Sixers in Washington 
they tipped off at 4. Atlanta and New York, they tipped off at 4.30 on two different channels, so you can't really watch both games at the same time unless you have the capabilities of having two screens in front of you. And then Memphis and Utah, they tipped off at 6.30, and the Clippers and Mavericks, they tipped off at 7. You can't have competing playoff games. Like, what is that? Two things. <laughs> two things here. One, they've always had an odd number. Like, you can only you can only show two games a night, realistically. So, they've well, always they had, had four today. No, they yeah, but they've always had three or four during the week, and 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 not been able to show them all nationally. There's always been NBA TV playoff games. Now, I don't think I think they staggered them more where it was like a four, a five thirty, and a seven scenario. Mm. Uh, that may have been the situation, but there's always been NBA TV playoff games. And secondly. <laughs> I think that, you know, the way people watch games is with multiple screens. Yeah. Well, and, and I so mean, you got you got your it's like football. You got your four four thirty slot and you got your seven seven thirty slot. And and people either pick one to watch or they got multiple going and they're they're kind of in sync with each other. Yeah. And also I think the the COVID scheduling has to do a lot with it too. So there's there's that aspect of trying to get in as many games as they can in a in a small window yeah, and, before the Olympics. And I, yeah, and I don't even know what they're dealing with from that regard. So that that could be. Even I mean, a there's people there's people you, calling for the Olympics yeah. to be canceled again. So we'll we'll deal with that bridge when we get there. Um, Tyler, we need to we need to talk about the Lakers. Um, yeah, dude, it's. Uh... <sighs> They're they're fucked. I think <laughs> it's it's really the only reason why the only reason why you wouldn't say this team is absolutely fucked is because they're the Lakers. So like if if you saw those guys that fucking team play that way in any other uniform, you'd be like, this team's fucking done. Like it's over. Yeah, I mean, so but, but the but they're the Lakers. They, you know, I, I, I think there is some, you know, I understand like a lot of people think LeBron's shown his, his signs of age, but LeBron's always been a facilitator. I've heard for fucking 15 years that he needs to turn it on and just dominate. It's not what he does. He needs, he needs Anthony Davis. And without Anthony Davis, this Lakers team is like the 2007 Cavs. So you got a lot of you got a lot of good players, but uh, you know without you know, LeBron has just got to do too much. <sighs> they can still win this series, I truly believe that, uh, but it's not looking good. I, and game like game six, like it can't. You know, you're just gonna have to come out with a drastically different basketball team to win that game. Yeah, the Suns. You know how much the Suns ate the Lakers. Yeah. No, I know. I know it. So here's the thing. The Lakers, they, they find themselves on the ropes facing elimination down three to two to the Phoenix suns. Anthony Davis missed game five. Like Tyler said, he thinks that LeBron James needs Anthony Davis out there. Anthony Davis missed game five with a strained groin and his status for game six is certainly still up for the, still up in the air. He's listed as questionable KCP is also listed as questionable. 
He returned in game five after missing game four with a knee injury, but was deemed out for the rest of the game uh, of game five for the same knee injury when the game was already out of hand. And realistically, Tyler, it at this point, we can talk X's and O's and, and all of that. But in game five, the Lakers team, as a team, they, they showed no fight whatsoever. They lost 115 to 85 in game five. It was embarrassing, Tyler. And I said, <laughs> okay, at halftime, I made the best decision ever. You turned and it turned off? Fucking, and I started watching the Portland game with four minutes left. <laughs> Luckily, I, I was able to watch both at the same time, but I literally tweeted out. I, I literally wouldn't have watched it <laughs> if I could. I would have had Dame on two TVs. I literally I tweeted out. I said, I'm going to sit through the rest of this. When the third quarter ended, I said, I'm going to sit through the rest of this because I'm psychotic. I know. Like, that's what I tweeted out. Like, I know I'm psychotic to subject myself to this, but I need to watch this. Like, I there's just there's just nothing you're gonna get in that that loss. Like, yeah, sometimes like you want to see fight and blah blah blah. Nah, man, that game was was shit from the jump. It was it's a it was a step back. It was bad. You just gotta trash it and move on. So at Mr. Ricky Spanish on Twitter said this was the worst Lakers playoff game since Bynum elbowed JJ Barea in 2011, and then I'm adding that it was dangerously so was that game was that game four or game yeah. three no that was game four that was the that was the the last game of the series well game three because game three was horrible too that's when Peja just fucking lit the lakers up yeah no that bynum elbowed beret Peja at 47 years old yeah no I, trust me i remember but it was also dangerously close to the blowout in the finals against boston in 08 in my opinion and i mean from the jump that's what that that is what it was like that's what i'm talking about where it was like there's nothing good you can get from it it's just throw roll it up toss it away and yeah. move on and let, i just i swear tyler it felt like the suns couldn't miss all night and they only turned the ball over four times the entire game which is remarkable against the lakers defense which has been phenomenal this series even in the games that they lost they were still giving up barely a hundred points in the game well, you know who phoenix got back the fans well yeah Home court. yeah exactly they they i mean they were you basically almost like, at capacity when it comes to when it comes to i felt like they couldn't miss and role players are hitting everything that's home court advantage that's like that's what you know we're used to watching and it's back like Tyler. that phoenix crowd that phoenix crowd in the first half would have you know beheaded any laker fan if they could have they were ready they're out for blood they wanted to stomp on the necks of the lakers tyler cameron Payne does not have the impact on the series that he has had without those fans you can't let cameron Payne have 16 points off the bench no that's what it is uh role players role players like historically play much better at home yeah um, you know the great players do their thing no matter what but typically that's you know home court advantage you get the crowd and you get the role players playing kind of above their above like above their norm so yeah campaign can get a fucking bucket though dude you're 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 hating on him way too much i know but it's i'm it's, a big campaign fan it's he's a good guy i know i know he's 
he's a great dancer, Tyler. He, him and I met, I met him. Blue really? Oh, he came in the. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, I, I won't be as harsh on Cameron Payne anymore. Then, if 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 you know for a fact he's a good guy no, in but person, he's, he's playing he's playing out of his mind. No, I mean this is and he's had the, to because Chris Paul's moment, hurt. You know, he's had to. Well, it, no, and I mean that's that's not a that's not an easy job to just kind of you know even if you have to, you still got to get it done. Right, but Game Five was the first time that DeAndre Ayton didn't have a double double in this series, but then Devin Booker the other young star for Phoenix had a huge 30 point scoring performance on 56% shooting along with seven rebounds and five assists. I think Tyler, there was a little bit of home cooking with the referees in, in the first half, a couple of, of questionable foul calls. That's and, what you and, get though, man. That's it, how it goes. I know it's, it, it was gonna just, get, you're going to get that, you're but gonna get that back either way. Realistically, there's been referee issues league wide all season and realistically Correct. it really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things for the game because like it's I said, history of referees. Well, either way, the Lakers, it, it didn't, the refereeing ended up not even mattering because like I said, the Lakers flat out embarrassed themselves in game five. In my opinion, the largest Laker lead in that game was five points when the game was 10 to five in the first quarter. And the Suns then went on an 11 0 run and they never looked back. I just, yeah. I was really I, expecting more fight from the Lakers in game five. And if they don't come with any sort of fight in game six tomorrow, they won't even have to bother packing for Phoenix. They can just start focusing on getting ready for the next season because they're going to have a much earlier exit in the playoffs than everybody was expecting. Yeah. Well, so, you know, effort, I think effort is the main kind of the main concern, you know, when, uh, you know, I've heard lots of different takes on what's going on, but to me, it's just like, there's no sense of urgency as just like a competitor. You know what I mean? Like X's and O's matchups, rotations, all that shit I think is, is with the Lakers is solid. Yeah. They're missing it, but there's no effort and there's no sense of urgency. Like I need guys like Caruso and THT and Montrez out there more. Because I think that those guys play with so much energy that they can't even be bothered by the moment. Dude, the Lakers needed Trez's energy in the first half to kind of give him like a pick me up, and and like they, need, they just gave what, up way too early. That's what they need is a spark, especially without Ant. They need this effort, and you know some of these guys, you know Ben, the Ben Mclemores, um, the Montrez Harrells, they, they haven't won a chip. The Schroders. Yeah, they got yeah. a lot to prove, and these are free the agency years for these guys. The Drummonds, it's just, I need to see these guys being like, Braun's not going to do this by himself. You know what I mean? Like, Braun is like, that's not he, that's not what he's going to do. He's got to facilitate us, and we have to play better. If we all step up as a collective unit, we can do this thing because we have LeBron. Well, but LeBron is not going to just back down back down and iso in the mid-range he's not going to do that every every play down the court well There's the problem is him. phoenix is packing the paint and daring our shooters to shoot but i said on multiple occasions on twitter last night during game five that the lakers shooters they were scared to shoot the ball last night and and i think that that comes from you know the hostile crowd it's first time in a long time um there's no anthony davis there's a ton of pressure 
LeBron's a facilitator. A lot of these guys haven't been I'm, in a ton of big Tyler, moments. you said you said There's, it earlier. I'm done with LeBron being a facilitator. He needs to come out and be aggressive okay. in game six. He had 24. Dude, Tyler, been, we've been saying Tyler, this since 2004. Listen, Tyler, guy. listen, like, listen, listen. It's not going to happen. He He's had, had to do that. He should have done that every year his entire career. He had 24 happen. points but was a minus 24 on the floor, so that basically cancels itself out. He waited too long to be aggressive he he went on a bit of a scoring run in the second half before he got taken out he hit five of seven threes in the second half he got into a bit of a rhythm i need that in the first half when the lakers are down and the suns just went on an 11-0 run to basically make it a 21 to 10 game and then the lakers only score 10 points in the second quarter i need i need lebron to take charge the next leading hey, score I, I the next leading it, score it's not happening Tyler, the next leading scorer on the Lakers was Kuz, who got 15 points off the bench, but most of that was in garbage time when the game was pretty much out of hand. And he played bad. Kuz has been MIA this series. I've been very so disappointed it, in that, him. Those are those are the guys, like, I tell you, bud, like, that LeBron is not showing up. But listen, listen, listen to what his help did care. last night, though. KCP had his Let's, second goose egg in the scoring column in this series. Yes, I know he's hurt, but he only took one shot in the game, and it's just noticeable how not confident he was in shooting the ball. Dennis Schroeder, a guy who the Lakers offered four years, $84 million midseason, he turned it down because he wanted more money, went 0 for 9 last night with zero points. He passed up multiple scoring opportunities and became the first Laker player to go scoreless in a playoff game with nine or more shot attempts since the team moved to L.A. I am so glad he turned that contract offer down because I want him nowhere near this team next season. Unless... He bet on himself and and you're, don't don't say don't say never. You know what I mean. Um, a lot can change from here on out. Well, it's I still hope he turns it around. Playoffs. I hope he turns it around in Game Six and and they win and somehow they win Game Seven. But also, Wes Matthews, Alex Caruso, and Markeith Morris, who started for Anthony Davis last night, and Ben McLemore. We're three for 12 from three. Macklemore being the only one of those four guys not to hit a three. And that's basically his only job on the team. Drummond was MIA last night while Gasol and Trez were used in such weird spots that neither of them had time to find a rhythm. It's I, I was so frustrated last night, Tyler. They're, they're, like I said, man, there's nothing you can take from this game that's constructive. You can't say... Like those, those aren't regular performances. That was a fucking, that was a shit performance from everybody. No one played good. It's all bad. It's like Schroeder, you know, all these guys. You've got to focus on what they have to do next, and you have to like believe that, you know, you had five guys have their off night at the same time. You had ten guys have their off night. Yeah, at but the same Tyler, time. the the Lakers shooters have you're, not you're shot gonna, well at all gonna, this series. They they are no and and when LeBron. And when LeBron plays with guys that aren't hitting shots, he loses. It's, it's like he's about to lose so, the first time in the first round in his career. Yeah, it, it, you know, if they don't Ann win Davis, on uh, tomorrow. First of all, without Ann Davis, this team's not winning the finals. Well, hundred percent, and that's, not, I've been saying that all year. They probably won't even get out of it. The, they probably won't even get out of this series. But if they, you know, like if they want to beat this Phoenix team without Ann Davis. LeBron is going to be LeBron and he's going to have his 25, 10 and eight, but the other guys have to hit shots. He's going to need a lot more than 25 in game six, Tyler. 
well, if you get more, be thankful because that's not his game. He's never been that guy. Uh, he Tyler, what he do you mean gets, he's never he been gets, that guy? He scored 21 straight against Detroit in the Eastern Conference playoffs back in Cleveland. Yeah, has he done it? Yes, he yes. He needs he, to do it in game six. Checked. He should but have done people, it in game five. People have, people have been begging. I just find it hilarious. It's like people have been begging for this his whole career. He's not a put you away, give me the rock 10 times in a row, post up, get a bucket. Like he has Mikel Bridges on him. You know what I'm saying? He should like be he cooking Mikel Bridges' ass, Tyler. But that's not because he knows that he has to have his, his teammates have to play good for him to win more so than he has to be like scoring. And if he his teammates don't have 50, confidence in themselves, it's he, not going to happen. Like, he like Damian Lillard could score 55 and you will lose because if he scores 55, no one else will be in the game. They won't be, they won't be the problem is attempts, Tyler, they won't be he needs in, to set won't the, be the flow of the offense. It's not, that's, that's not what you need. You need LeBron to be LeBron. You need everybody else to step up. But he needs to set the tone to for the shots. team, Tyler, in terms of mindset. He does set the it, he does set the tone for the team mindset wise. And that's all pregame and on the court at the time. But that doesn't mean he's a he needs his Aunt Davis, his Dwayne Wade, his Kyrie Irving. He needs that guy that can just go get a bucket. <sighs> They better not fucking lose tomorrow, For Tyler. two decades, I've been talking about LeBron's never going to change. He's Magic Johnson. <laughs> he's not He's not Kobe. He's not Michael. He's, oh, I know he's, he's not Kobe. He's Magic Johnson. Kobe at age 40 would would post up the Kell Bridges 15 times in a row and <laughs> ask for the ball every single time and get the ball every single time. But that is not LeBron. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. Don't pull your hair out waiting for that guy to walk out on the court because it's not going to happen. Like, it's very, very rare for to see that LeBron. I've seen him maybe a handful of times. <sighs> I, I you don't need, know. You need, you need role players. Role players are going to shoot better in, in Los Angeles. You're going to get They more didn't shoot well in, in games Angeles. three and four. The only reasons the best player in every game for the Lakers that they've won in this series was Anthony Davis. I'm saying opposed to game five. You're going to shoot better. You're going to get more calls. So if you can get through that game six, anything can happen in a game seven. But in that game six, you just, you got to have shots falling. You got to have the role players step up. And, and you got to have Schroeder and Drummond and Kuz and Trez and Gasol and, and Caruso and THT and yada, yada, yada. All these guys got to be involved. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm just. I'm very nervous for games. Game six. I just. I was not expecting. You should be. I mean, you should be. This. This. <laughs> this Phoenix team is doesn't give a fuck who the Lakers are. And listen, at the end of They're, the day, and they, they see Ann Davis. They see Ann Davis in street clothes. Don't you fucking say the, the word street clothes right now, Tyler. Anthony, street clothes. You. Sh- Davis. I'm gonna turn your mic off. Hey, yeah. fuck, man. <laughs> Don't don't hate on LeBron, motherfuckers out there. Yeah, I know, but I need more from him. Hey man, you need more from Ant too. Hey, what? How many points Ant have in Game Five? As many as me and Schroeder did. And Schroeder was actually suited up. That's not a good thing. No, it's not. But listen, at the end of the day, the the main core of the the Lakers, at least that came back from the championship team last year 
they had a 71-day offseason, and, and we saw the Miami Heat get swept in, in the first round against the Bucks. And they, I'm not using it as an excuse. It's just the reality of what it is. And they had 71 days off between the end of the finals and the season. The Lakers, they were 21-6 and six when they were 100% healthy, and they got bit very bad by the injury bug consistently throughout this season and they just never had enough time to put it together i know i've said it in the past on this show that if the lakers weren't to make it to the finals it would be exactly like the clippers last year they did not have enough time on the court together to get as much cohesion as possible with the new pieces that were added to the remaining players from the championship team last year to where they just didn't have enough time to to get it done listen listen it was a bad loss. I know you're hurt right now. You're down. You're down. But it's not that bad. Like with Ant Davis, it's what No, like, I'm listen, in the you're in the, an Ant Davis away, you're one win away. It's like and the Lakers Ant- with with Anthony Davis, we're you know, you pick the Lakers to go to the finals. Without it, it's different. Yeah. Um, I don't you know, I think that like there's at least six play, five, six players in the rotation that had a longer offseason than that. You know, I don't know if you can. And they've and been MIA Dave, in these Dave, playoffs. And, and Davis is on the sideline. Like, it, it's just, I don't know if you can say it has anything to do with rest at this point. No. You know, it, it, compared to every other team has had the same kind of brutal regular season. No, and Even if you we saw that league-wide, Tyler. We saw the ramifications of that league-wide this year. So, you know, I think it's. Uh, and and, it was and people really want to put an asterisk loss. on the bubble. <laughs> It was a really bad loss and it was really bad timing. Like if this was a game one loss, it'd be completely different. So uh like you know, I go back and say just toss that game away. Yeah. You know what you gotta do in game six and anything can happen in game seven. It's it's not looking good, especially because you're coming off that loss and Phoenix is not not afraid. They're not gonna let you have it, but the Lakers can still get this done. Yeah, I mean if if Anthony Davis plays at all in game six that gives the Lakers a better chance to win I mean it's it's just it's ultimately gonna come down to I think they win in game six even without Ant I think that they it's gonna be an uphill battle Tyler but I I I hope that's right that's coming off an ass whooping you know what I'm saying like oh I hope they took that ass whooping personally because a lot of Lakers fans did I think that, that it'd be hard not to as far as, like, everybody on that roster. Maybe not Braun because Braun's legacy is kind of cemented, but you got to assume that everybody in that locker room is pissed, embarrassed, and, and ready to go. Yeah. And then real quick, I, I mean, before we move on to, to the last topics of the night, um, I know Chris Paul Tyler is legitimately hurt, and – He's got a lot of heart being out there as as much as he has this series. But did you see the acting job he like gave when Wes Matthews boxed him out? There there was just absolutely no reason for that. He's got the State Farm gig locked up already. That was just ridiculous. He he started whining because Wes Wes Matthews hit him with a textbook box out that caught him by surprise and and CP3 thought it was dirty, and he he fell to the ground, started writhing in pain, whining. He rolled on the ground basically all the way to the bench and then almost just instantaneously popped right back up to, to try and check back in to the game, a la 
Paul Pierce faking an injury because he, quote, pooped his pants against the Lakers in the finals uh, in 08. But CP3 did hit both the free throws before the Suns intentionally fouled, and he he went to the locker room. But, I mean, it it was an Oscar-worthy performance. Like, I... I tweeted out something about the basketball gods, and I, I've been talking a lot about the basketball gods, especially when the the Clippers were down two o uh, two to the Mavericks, and with the Den with Denver going away or trying to avoid the the Lakers as well. And I got I got some flack for it here at the at the radio station and and on the FNA show hosted by Adam Oslin and Kevin Figures. Uh, Adam's been on the show before; he hosts the Clippers pre half and post game and so i've been getting some flack about the basketball gods but i mean acting jobs like that the basketball gods don't look kindly on that that was just ridiculous there's there's a reason chris paul has a bad track record in the playoffs and it's not just because of scott foster it's it's because of plays like that see i gotta disagree man no tyler you need to be on my side here no, man, I think you're wrong, dude. Uh, when it comes to the, the basketball gods, Chris Paul don't owe them shit. I mean, I think that he God should be, like... Tyler, I need you on my side here. No, man. We're going to war six, with another this show. Guy, this guy's six feet tall, okay? He was given nothing. You know, he obviously, he was given some, like, some speed and quickness and, you know, some athleticism, but he's six feet tall. He is not supposed to be in the NBA. Okay, he defied all odds, and you know how he got. So the basketball gods look kindly upon him before he got to the NBA. No, I'm saying he's like fuck the basketball gods. They didn't give me shit. I'm gonna make this happen by scrapping and clawing every single possession of my entire life. It doesn't matter if who who thinks this and who thinks that. Is he a dirty player? Yeah, I mean, but does he got some tricks in his sleeve? Yeah, does he do some shit that? Doesn't taste good? Yes. But I mean, there's a reason Rondo punched him in the face. And there's a reason why Rondo does that same shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rondo, Rondo's that same guy. Okay? Not wrong. It, it's 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 um, because they have to. I mean, they don't have any advantages physically outside of being dirty, being smart, being crafty, you know, being pesty. It's it's just uh I don't think I, I don't think the basketball gods are doing any never did anything for Chris Paul to begin with. So fuck them. <laughs> but for the record, you do believe in the basketball gods. Uh, I don't know. Oh. I think I don't I you know, I I believe in ball don't lie, I guess. All right. All right. But uh, ball, that's, that's ball good enough for lie, me. I don't, ball don't lie, I don't think is um is the basketball gods because shit, you know, shit ain't fair. You know what I mean? D-Rose Penny yeah. Hardaway, uh, you know, Kobe's Achilles. It, it, I, well, I believe, I believe in hard work. You know, I think Kobe would say the same thing. There's no basketball guy giving me anything. So all right. uh, well, it, it's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to lean. I understand what you're getting ball on my, it's all, you know, no, nope, it's I'm all good. I'm Tyler. taking it. I'm pick, I'm taking another step forward, but no, it's all good. Tyler. Basketball guts. I'll let, I'll let the FNA show know you're on their side. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. Tyler. I'll, I'll sit alone on this Island and, these dudes work, all right. There's no, no, there's no I know, God. I know. There's no luck involved. This is, uh, you know, there are basketball gods. <laughs> there wouldn't, you know, everything would be fair. Yeah, but all right. I mean, 
like I said, it, it's it's basically put up or shut up time for the Lakers right now, and and they they know what lies ahead of them. It's it's win or go home now. Yeah, I was gonna say it's almost past put up or shut up. It's almost like if they get a win, they might be in put up or shut up. You know, well, I mean, I like, said they're like trying to dig themselves out of a hole. Almost. I said game five was a must win, and now game six is a hundred percent a must win because it's win or go home. Well, it's a literal must win. Um, yeah, game fives feel like a must win because of the momentum and statistics behind, you know, finishing a seven game series. Yeah. But all right, that's that's it for the NBA playoffs. We got some quick football notes to go over real quick. So, Tyler, let's hit the gridiron. I'm just about that action, boss. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. That's why we took the damn field. I'm just here, so I won't get fired. Great cash, homie. But they are who we thought they were. And we left them on the hook. That's as good an effort as I've ever seen in my life from a running back. Don't you ever talk about me. Wilson. Toward the end zone. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. It's my quarterback. All right, Tyler, real quick before we get out of here. It is now June 2nd, which means the contract implications for trading both Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers would take effect and it would give both the Falcons and Packers some salary cap relief if they were to trade them both now that it is post June 1. Real quick, let's start with Julio Jones because there was some news this week, Tyler, and and over the weekend that both the Rams and Seahawks have inquired about a potential Julio Jones trade with the Atlanta Falcons. Mike Garofalo of the NFL Network reported that the Los Angeles Rams talked to the Falcons about a trade for Jones, but no progress was really made with their depth at wide receiver and their already overloaded salary cap. The Rams realistically wouldn't seem like the most logical landing spot for the seven-time Pro Bowler Julio Jones, according to, to Mike Garofalo. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, he reported that the Rams are completely out of the Julio Jones chase for now. And he reported that, I believe, on Monday this week, or if not yesterday. I can't I can't remember which date. I should have wrote that down. But he said, quote, that's not a firm guarantee they won't get back in in terms of the Rams being out of the race for Julio Jones for right now. So he thinks... There's possibilities that the Rams could get back in on the Julio Jones sweepstakes. And realistically, I'm not going to count the Rams out yet because I think it's been pretty evident that the Rams don't really care about trading away future draft picks for proven talent because that's basically been the MO for this team since they've moved back to Los Angeles. So until Julio Jones gets traded... Don't count less need in the Rams out. Tyler, what's going on in Seattle? Where do the the Hawks stand with, with Julio Jones? Well, to be honest with you, I think that we've got to be one of the top candidates for his landing spot due to, um, A, his request to be on a contender, yeah, and okay. B, our trade assets. So 
Um, I think that there, we also, you know, we're also okay with one year. We'll see if we want to extend you or maybe you just walk. So I, I do think that, you know, the, the Seahawks are a win now team with Russell Wilson. So even getting Julio for a year, I think would be worth a, a first rounder and like a third rounder. I mean, even that much, I think even that that much assets for Julio Jones is worth it because, you know, if we get a Julio Jones with the DK and Tyler, that's, that's some of the best receiving core I've ever seen. Well, and that's, uh, and that's my philosophy with the Rams. And, and like I said, that's been their MO since the team moved back to LA. It's just, if you can get this caliber yeah. of player, you try and make that happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Rams are always going to be in the mix with big names um, because a, they're a good football team, and be there in Los Angeles. So yeah. the only uh, issue is they don't have their two first round picks the next two years. So they don't that's... have the they don't have the assets, and they have they have more big money guys than the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks the Seahawks um, salary is spread out, I think, differently, and it's not as um, it's not as overloaded. Um, so I think that Julio could easily come because of Russell Wilson. Um, Russell Wilson's been in contact with him. He's a he's a great recruiter because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, um, and and we're a team that's ready to win right now. And we could also be a potential extension place for him. I mean, if we go to the Super Bowl, maybe he wants to sign a two year, twenty million dollar deal and take a discount. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I don't necessarily think that Julio is going to be asking for twenty million a year at the age of thirty one. And so, after only playing seven games last year. Yeah. So, you know, if he comes to comes to Seattle on a one year rental, I could see him, you know, walking or or extending with us. Uh, but regardless, I think that whatever we would trade for Julio would be worth it. Yeah. And and I that's the same how I feel about the Rams. It just go get go get whoever's gonna bring a Super Bowl to the LA. That's that's my philosophy. But I think I think that the first runner in this upcoming draft is the big chip because you I think the Falcons want to see that return as fast as possible. Well, and that and that's why I think a lot of people thought they were going to try and maybe forget about the June 1st deadline and and maybe trade away that or not trade away that fourth pick, but add to the fourth pick in the first round because they wanted to get that instant gratification of of seeing the the results of what that draft pick could be. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Julio. I think he gets traded before training camp, Tyler, because I think a team would obviously want to get him in before training camp started and not mid training camp. Do you think it happens before or during training camp? Cause I, I don't, I don't think it happened. Like I think it for sure happens before the start of the season. Yeah. I would think that I, I think that it's going to be done before the first preseason game. Okay. So before, before the end of July, before then, I mean, the first preseason game is probably not till September. No, August. Or the August, first yeah. Regulars, the first regular season game September. Yeah, excuse me. You're right. You're right. So, all right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would I would assume he's, he's traded within the next six, eight weeks. All right. Now, the other big name that is also not shown up to their current team's voluntary workouts, Aaron Rodgers yet to show up to Green Bay. The the Packers, they are adamant about not trading him. 
Uh, Mike Florio, he reported as well on Aaron Rodgers. He came out with an article yesterday saying that the Packers are going to call Aaron's bluff, basically, and say they're not trading him and just they're going to play the wait-and-see game to see if he shows up. If Aaron retires, Tyler, he would have to give back $23 million to the Packers. But I don't really think that matters to Rodgers because he's still going to be making money after his football career is over. <laughs> Jeopardy. I mean, the fact that Carson Wentz – or Carson Wentz, geez. Carson Palmer did that. I feel like he, he can do that. Yeah. So, I mean, either way, I it, he'll be able to make up the money. So, I, I don't think that's an issue. I, I think Aaron is – I I think he really does walk away if the if the, the Packers is, are adamant is, about calling this is his a bluff. crazy story. Yeah, we we've, we've covered this kind of the whole ride. And uh when we first were covering, I was just I was so adamant that if I'm the Packers, I cannot trade him. And so I 100% agree with uh with what the Packers are doing, playing hardball, force him to walk away. Um, you you have all the power essentially. Uh, the only power Rodgers has is to retire, and I think to, to call his bluff is the right move. Unfortunately, I think Roger. We're not going to see Rodgers play after MVP season. Yeah, it's, it's fucking nuts, unbelievable. But I I I think that the Packers are right. There's no way you can get his value in return. And and, and like I know that taking nothing is is not good. But you have to give your you have to give yourself a chance to like get Rogers back. Yeah, and I think by calling his bluff is the only chance you have at having number twelve suit up in Lambo. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a crazy. very it's crazy. It's I I I I knew that this was an option with the Packers playing hardball because it was either you know there was only like two three options it was going to go down and it just seemed like it was a stretch but. Um, every day, I do believe he's not going to play for the Packers next year. Like that's one hundred percent. Yeah. And so if the Packers are calling his bluff, he's not going to be playing football next year. Yeah, he's, I mean, def- he's definitely. He's definitely with every day that he doesn't show up opinion. to Green Bay, Tyler, the more and more likely it is he he just retires. Yeah, I think it's headed that. It, I think it is heading in that direction. Yeah. So, all right, that uh. That about does it for tonight. I know we went really long tonight, uh, but, I mean, the, the the NBA playoffs have just lived up to all of the hype. It's been incredible to watch. It's been exciting basketball, and the Lakers really pissed me off. So I, I had to, to get it all off my chest, and, Tyler, thank you for, for attempting to, to try and talk me off the ledge. I'm not sure if it worked yet, but uh, I feel a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing that can get better from. There's it can't get any better, so you just gotta move on. Yeah, but all right, you got you got a shout out before we get out of here. I think I'm gonna hop in with you. All right, so obviously the unfortunately, yeah, the news of Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens, uh, and everything that went on with the Celtics while that was going on. It also got announced this morning that Coach Mike Shashevsky is going to retire from being the head coach of Duke men's basketball after this upcoming season. His former player and current assistant, John Shire, is most likely going to be taking over the Duke men's basketball program 
as head coach beginning with the 2022-2023 season. So Coach K will finish out, will, will start and finish out this upcoming season. But after this upcoming season, that will be his final season. So, I mean, just a, a, a legend. And I'm, I saw someone on Twitter say, uh, they asked the question, if John Wooden and Mike Krzyzewski are two faces on the college basketball Mount Rushmore, who are the other two? And, and an answer was, yeah, they talked about this on around the horn. I it think. was, it was Pat Summit and Gino Auriemma, which I think is, is completely accurate. I, I would say if you want to cover both men's and women's college basketball, those are your four on the Mount Rushmore. And it, that just tells you everything you need to know about coach K. I mean, he's been at Duke for ever for, for my entire life. And and even long before that, he he was at Army before that, and he he was a, a a student at West Point, I believe, and all all of that. And then he went to Duke. I'm, pr- as I'm a coach. pretty sure Duke coached Greg Popovich. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how fucking- yeah, no, I believe you're right. Yeah, that's like <laughs> this dude's been doing it for so long. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, and and yeah. then you, I I we didn't even talk about the team usa basketball with with coach yeah. k being the coach it it's but he had already stepped down from that I think. yes greg popovich has taken over that from from him yeah. uh he did that a couple of years uh, ago but i mean yeah. coach k was the coach that brought usa basketball back to prominence after after the dream team uh after after those years so it's, yeah, I'm not gonna go that far. I think we're pretty stacked to be good with. Well, but, but I mean, I'm gonna yeah. be. I'll try to be nice because we're we're shouting out Coach K. I mean, he. But, uh, yeah, he had his go. fingerprints I mean, all over the Redeem team. That's for sure. He did, but I mean, fuck, that's a pretty good basketball team. Pretty yeah, easy. but either either way, Coach K is an absolute Coach legend. K's, Coach K is a legend. He's 100. I loved your tweet though, uh, Tyler. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be respectful because, you know, uh, this is like my greatest competitor ever in sports, honestly. Like, he may be the single most, uh, I don't want to say hated because that, that, like, I feel like there's a lack of respect in that word. No, there's, uh, a, there's a, no, I mean, Lakers, the Lakers and Celtics, they hate each other, but they respect each other. You hate Coach yeah, K, but you, you know, respect I him. Ho- I hate Duke. I hate Coach K. And that's been truly one of the only rivalries that has lasted my entire life um, with, you know, Seattle Supersonics leaving. The Seattle Seahawks don't have a true rival. Uh, the Mariners have kind of been obsolete for so long that it, it, it really hasn't mattered. So North Carolina, I mean, I've been watching since the mid-90s. I've known who Coach K is <laughs> since I was like seven or eight years old. <laughs> uh, I mean, this guy has been a figurehead in basketball my entire life. Um, yeah. It's crazy to see him go. I think it's the right time. The college game is changing uh, dramatically with, you know, the player likeness. and uh, Transfer portal. And, and, and the transfer portal and the possibility of the age change, uh, the, the draft age changing again. Um, you know, it's a good, it, I think it's as good of a time as ever for him. He's going to get to have his kind of, I, I do think it's kind of funny that he is doing like the victory lap. No, he's going to get a farewell tour for sure. Where like, I kind of, you know, shout out my boy Roy Williams for just kind of, you know, 
not 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 do it not taking that road <laughs> setting north carolina up for you know to be their own team uh this is like this season is going to be about him so uh but anyways I'm, I'm, yeah, that, I'm that's your nice. one parting shot I, i'm being nice yeah i'm, be, I'm being <laughs> nice shout out he's one he's it's it is only him or john wooden that really is the only conversation and uh as far as the greatest college coach ever he's definitely on um the mount rushmore of college basketball and uh he's he's got to be the best basketball coach of my lifetime outside of maybe pop and and maybe phil jackson yeah those are the only other two but really you know it's tough to line up with what he's done. Uh, really, just truly amazing life, uh, truly amazing individual um, to be that good and to be that loyal to a program. Uh, oh, he could have yeah. t- he could have made so many jumps to the NBA so many times, and he he stayed loyal to Duke, and that's that's really North Carolina, you know as a Tar Heel, it, it's like North Carolina and Duke wouldn't be anything without Duke. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Duke wouldn't I'll, be anything I'll, without Coach K. Uh, yeah, so um, I'll end it at that. Yeah. So, all right, all good vibes to the Lakers because that's that's all that really matters to me right now. So that's that's my final shout out. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show for Tyler Pacholke. I am Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Thank you so much for sticking around with us tonight. I know it was a, a long episode, like I said. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.